Warning, the episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. Hi, guys. Welcome to Murder With My Mother, the murder podcast where I talk murder with my mother. Obviously, you guys know we are on episode 14. Holy, thanks for hanging in there. Can you believe it? (laughs) I can believe it. This one I can believe. 14 is actually my favorite number. So Good, good. Yes. Well, this year has been a long haul. Yeah, and it's like two months in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just mean that we've been dealing with the stupid motherfucking pandemic for a year now. She was just going off about how she does not like even like the word pandemic anymore. So yeah, she feels it in her soul. I think everybody does, honestly. Yeah, I feel bad. There's a lot of people that are hanging on by a thread right now. So hopefully our podcast is giving them something to listen to and something to do, even though it's not usually the brightest material. Hopefully it's getting you through and... Well, something to look forward to, right? Yeah. (laughs) I look forward to recording. I look forward to putting these episodes out because, again, I have no really hobby I can do right now that I feel safe going in public and doing. So this is just awesome for me. And I have, I've had a few people reach out, which feels super cool that are like, we love your podcast. Keep it up. Like, can't wait for the next episode. Lots of podcast suggestions. Um, I'm actually thinking of getting us signed up for Patreon. So that would be kind of cool. That would be super cool. Not that I know really what that entails, but (laughs) I just come here and blabber. That's all I know. Oh, I love you. You're the one to blabber with you. So yeah, but you're the one that takes care of all the nitty gritty. So thank you very much. Well, anything for you, my mother. I'd also like to say a special hello to my mother because I know she's feeling pretty taxed right now. We were supposed to spend Christmas with her, which we were unable to do because of the cocksucking pandemic. Okay, okay. <laughs> the descriptive well, words get better and better every time. And we haven't seen our family since the summer, so I know she's kind of getting to the end of her rope. So hi, Ma. Hi, Mugga. Hopefully it'll be soon. Hold on. Keep going. We love you so much. Yeah, and that goes for a lot of people who are going through the same thing, right? A lot of people are lonely. A lot of people don't have anyone that they can see because they're somewhere that wouldn't be as far away normally it feels like extra far because you're not allowed to go anywhere which it's good to keep everybody safe but again you know mental health is on the forefront right now the awareness trying to everyone just you know find trying to find something that you like to do or you're looking forward to. and I think that's because also every single person is experiencing some form of mental health yeah awareness right now because we're all feeling the pinch people that usually kept themselves busy being active doing things traveling all of that stuff are now feeling crazier than ever so well even for myself i like to go to the gym to get physical activity because not aesthetically yeah that's awesome what it does for your body but what it does for my mental health yeah just being able to go there unload and leave you know leave everything there kind of thing now it's like, I don't even feel safe. I'm doing workouts at home, but it's not just even that same feeling behind it. So yeah, there's a That's lot of... That's one thing, yeah, that I didn't think you and I would ever get to that point of like, we can't even go to the gym because that's something we also like to share together. So this mm-hmm. has actually been a good replacement for us and time to spend together and a little bit of an outlet for us. So thank you again, everybody for listening that listens to us. We really appreciate it. We love all of you. Some of you more than others. <laughs> for today mom has done the episode selection so i'm super excited about this episode and it is like i mentioned earlier episode 14 so i'm super pumped up for this episode yeah so this episode is also an episode that happened or or an action that happened in our own province but it was up north and it was one of Canada's youngest serial killers ever. Not the youngest, but I'm pretty sure the second youngest. So we're talking about the case of the four women that were murdered by Cody Lejekabaugh. That's <laughs> that is the, yeah, Lejek, Lejekabaugh. Mm. All right. You have no, to get the on. accent to Lejekabaugh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to let you take over that. <laughs> 
Lejibakov. Oh, Lejibakov. Yes. See? Boom. Easy. And he's a fucker, so I don't care if we pronounce his name Yeah, Lejibakov. Yeah, like, yeah. fuck I you. mean, as long as we pronounce the names of his victims properly, then who gives a shit about him? Well, and again, they're the only people to us that matter in these episodes. Obviously, we have to tell the story of these motherfuckers, but, you know, keeping, like we always say on Murder With My Mother, keeping the victims at the forefront of each episode and just bringing their names up and remembering who they were and giving you guys, that's why we try to find as much info about the victims and try to, you know, obviously some episodes it's harder because some of these horrific killers have had a lot of victims, but even, you know, going back to the Gary Ridgway episode. When um, we read all the names. Exactly. Out. It took yeah. us a long time, but I don't give a fuck because that's, you know, that's what the least that they deserve. Exactly. I mean, they met their demise in a terrible way. And so bringing awareness to who they were and hopefully bringing awareness to what happened to them will prevent uh, the same fate from happening to other people. I know it won't prevent it from happening to everyone, but (laughs) that's definitely our goal for sure. Exactly. So here we go with episode 14. We hope you guys enjoy listening. So on November the 27th, 2010, Officer Aaron Keller, who was a rookie on the police force, he was just a new officer, one year in, and he was stationed in Prince George, BC. Uh, He was sat outside where Highway 27 meets up with a bunch of different logging roads. And he saw a truck racing down one of the logging roads, like at a super high rate of speed. Uh, driving erratically and then he just kept an eye on it he followed it he was by himself so he called for backup and pursued the truck it came onto the highway and he just quietly followed it meet up with him for backup officer Sidhu and together they pursued the vehicle and pulled the vehicle over when they were walking up to the vehicle cops gotta be fucking scared when they go up yeah. to a car and it's like and you see a cop behind you and you're not even slowing down like woo, you don't give a fuck and especially like in the middle of nowhere yeah coming off a logging George. road yeah. like that is especially it was nighttime yeah so no street lights no, no nothing like to give you a little background on prince george they call it the <laughs> What do they call it? The armpit of BC. Oh my god! I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's That's nice. horrible. We're sorry right now. Just a disclaimer if anyone's from Prince George. I like armpits. Like I, <laughs> I love armpits, but it is like it's up in the middle, basically of the, you know, like the the different terrain. Like it's up north, and there's not much up there. Like it's a big city. Up in the middle of nowhere, basically. Yeah. There's a lot of small rural communities like that branch off of it. Mm-hmm. And the famous Highway of Tears, which many, I think 17 or 19 people have been abducted and gone missing from, is like just branched right off of there from Vanderhoof to Prince Rupert. So yeah, there's big billboards up and down that highway saying like, do not get like, there's a murderer that works yeah, here. Do don't not. hitchhike, yeah. don't get into cars. It's, it's a very famous, world famous strip. Oh, and anyone that's listening most likely is That's heard of it. Uh, for sure, stories. because it's yeah. a true crime. You know, every couple of years they go, did we solve it? Did we solve it? And they're like, no. And on my opinion, I think it's quite a few people working. It's a, it's a trucker highway, right? Yeah. And, and there's and uh, there are many indigenous communities that kind of branch off in the areas. And there are a lot of indigenous women that um, don't have a lot of means that have used hitchhiking to get around and unfortunately they've become victim most of all of the victims of the highway of tears are indigenous women well and it's sad because in the indigenous communities you see that where you know there's trauma and then there's things that happen in their lives that make them more susceptible susceptible to something like this happening because of the whole you know drug use if you're anybody if you're experiencing generational trauma from your past generations are going through it you know you're going through it you look to substance you look to things to like numb that and so that makes you more susceptible to make decisions like to hitchhike or to to be a sex worker or some things like that it leads you to places that are unsafe and especially in the indigenous communities we've talked about this before like there are people that victimize those women just because they know of the 
systemic racism that happens where they know that they're not going to be investigated like if, it, if a Caucasian it. lady went missing which is horror fucking horrible and I hate that to even admit that exists but Same. it fucking does and yeah. it is horrible I so, mean acknowledging it is the first step yeah, like to anything, fixing right? it yeah. yeah I mean it is horrible and it's terrible and you can't even imagine that that still exists but it's very very much still in the forefront yeah especially of the communities up north where women are going missing and they're being called runaways or high-risk lifestyles. Or... Yeah, which is basically slapping a sticker on them saying, you don't fucking matter exactly. and we're not going to investigate this and we don't really care where you went. Where it's like, this is a human life. This, we, there's one race in this planet, the human race. So everyone, the fact that they don't look at that and they look at someone and say, oh, it's because she's a drug addict. Like, yeah. who fucking cares? Solve where she went because, you know, you have family and friends and all that stuff. And... Yeah, up there, especially, that's happening more and more, so. So, yeah, I mean, that was kind of a sidebar. We kind of got off track. Oh, yeah, sorry. But, uh, I mean, that's just kind of laying some of the background for much of this story, actually. So, this truck was seen speeding out of the logging road. The two police officers in separate vehicles pulled it over. And when they pulled it over, they were walking up to the truck and they noticed this arm, man's arm, just holding out a license and registration nonchalantly. Which out is the window, which is weird. Like, I never do anything to get pulled over at full speed, whatever. And it, when you know, you know, whatever, <laughs> a couple times. But I see my eye roll there. But. <laughs> yeah. but do you know what I mean? I would, I'm nervous and yeah. I haven't even really done anything super uh, yeah I broke the law but in a way of like oh fuck I was going like 20 over this feeling you know nervous yeah. right I'm fidgeting inside my car and for usually I wait till they ask me to get my license well and that, that was the thing they said is that it was very odd because most people panic and they don't have it ready to go oh no, yeah exactly so when they walked up to the window they saw a young man um they didn't know how old but early 20s they figured obviously young, uh, husky yeah. tall shaggy haired young man and he was wearing a pair of shorts which it was winter or it was just about winter in prince george it was like minus 10 or below yeah, everybody knows a guy like that though yeah <laughs> the guy that always wears shorts no matter what yes. the weather is <laughs> cody so, legibokov so cody legibokov was the name on the driver's license and as the police were looking they noticed a couple things so they noticed that he had a smudge of blood on his chin like right by where his beard is Mm -hmm. and they also could see some other things kind of strewn around inside the truck but the most important thing they noticed was that there was an open container of liquor in the truck so that automatically boom boom boom, bitch gives you the right to search the vehicle so they asked him to please step out of the vehicle and they very politely said you know it's really cold in here so or out here so i think you should probably maybe take a seat while we search your vehicle in one of the cruisers Mm -hmm. so before they put him in the cruiser they searched his pockets and in his pockets they found a cell phone and they found a leatherman tool which is like a pocket knife but it has like a bunch of different tools on it okay and it was covered in blood Oh my god, you did put your phone on silent. <laughs> I did. She's like, right before the episode, I put my phone on silent. Is your phone on silent? I'm like, yeah, it is. And she goes, I learned. Bitch, <laughs> <laughs> you did not learn nothing. Well, anyway. I learned now. So okay. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, they found this Leatherman tool that was tool covered in blood. Covered in yeah. blood. Which Kate. And they said, like, what's all over this? knife and he said oh i killed a grouse which is a wild game so a bird Mm -hmm. and they both 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 police looked at him and said uh there's a little too much blood here for having killed a grouse and why why like that's it's 9 30 at night at this point also i forgot to mention so like you're out at night just driving around in your shorts it's extra dark out there like we mentioned because it's there's no street lights it's a logging road you're out there you're it's dark as shit there's like the moonlight is the light you have it actually was a it's a snowy place too so Mm -hmm. that's all there was like the only light they were getting it always looks darker when it's when it's snowing you know like it always looks darker when it's winter so imagine how dark it was out there where you're gonna just hunt a grouse like yeah, so his story quickly changed, and he said that he had met a friend and they had poached a deer. So, well, actually, first he said they had found a deer that had been hit, so they stabbed it to put it out of its misery, 
And then later on, his story changed again to they had killed a deer and just driven its carcass out. Like, they didn't gut it or anything. They just Hmm. killed it. So, the police continued to go through Cody's truck, and they found a pipe wrench, which was also covered in blood, and all the teeth of the pipe where it turns was all covered in, like, a lot of blood. The mat underneath his feet Mm -hmm. was pooling in blood. There was so much blood. And so, like, he would have stepped in it? Yes. Yeah. So, it was, so like, it was like on him. Like it was yeah. dripping. There was dripping blood on his him. legs. There was crack pipes in the truck. <laughs> okay. Which that he said one. belonged to his friend, of course. Okay, yeah, because who says, oh, yeah, that's my crack pipe. Yeah. And <laughs> when they checked his ID, they discovered that he was only 20 years old also. So, this is, like, a lot of weird stuff for just a random 20-year-old pudgy guy to be cruising around with on a logging road. On further inspection, they found a four-pack of mudslide. Oh my god, mudslide! Uh, coolers, so basically Kahlua and milk, but in a bottle. I drank those in like the eighth grade. Oh my I god, loved like, but yeah, after but the ninth thing, grade, right? it was like, eh, these are like chocolate milk, like yeah. essentially. I mean, that's a kid's drink, really. Kids exactly. Are trying to drink, and then they also found a little monkey backpack. So it was a backpack. Which was basically like a, a stuffy yeah. of a monkey's face. So a child's backpack. backpack. Yeah, with, right by the mudslides. So they opened the backpack and um, there was ID from Children's Hospital, which belonged to a Lauren Leslie, 15 years old. So at this point, they're like, uh-oh, like... Oh something's yeah, the, something's not, it's not looking good. What's adding up to them is not looking like. Exactly. Yeah. So Cody uh, was still sticking to his story that they had just killed a deer, poached a deer. He knew it was wrong. He had dumped it up in the logging road where he was coming from. So the RCMP decided that they would call in the game warden. So they called this guy in that worked for the Fish and Wildlife to come in and check it out. So that guy showed up and he was also talking to Cody and talking to them and he knew just from looking around that this doesn't make sense mm-hmm. like no one first of all goes and poaches the deer without even having a gun no with a pocket knife with a pocket knife and a pipe wrench and changes your story five times before you even exactly yeah. and has a crack pipe in their pocket a lot of crack pipes in the car <gasps> yeah there were multiple crack pipes so Cody said <laughs> uh, I'm a redneck and that's what we do Oh, that was his explanation. That was his explanation. Yeah, very, <laughs> very well thought out and forward-thinking explanation. I mean, it is a redneck response, I guess, but yes. at the same time, like, come on, dude. So they chose to send the fish and wildlife officer up to investigate because he was the only one that had a 4 by 4 truck. So the two RCMP officers stayed with Cody while the fish and game officer went up to find the supposed deer. And while he was gone looking, the police ran the ID that they had found and saw that there was a girl that had just been reported missing that night called Lauren Leslie, who was 15 years old. So they phoned her dad. That was the number they had. Mudslides, right? Yeah. Like I said, obviously. They phoned her dad, who knew nothing of it. Her parents were divorced, and but they they were like nicely, like they were cordial, and they co-parented pretty well. That's what I read. Yeah. So they phoned her dad, and he didn't know anything about it. And right at that same time, the game warden had gone up and followed the tracks. And the snow was starting to fall again, so the tracks were actually being covered. Like, it was perfect timing yeah. that they found Cody doing what he was doing. Like, Yeah, because the snow, especially yeah. in Prince George, just wiped it, right out. it could snow for, like, 20 minutes and be, like, a foot. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Probably, so, not, probably not that much, but still a, a couple inches so. to cover at least. Yeah. yeah. So when the officer approached the tracks, he could see two sets of footprints. Tire tracks and then two sets of footprints leading off to the side. And then he saw drag marks and blood. So once he kept following the drag marks and the blood, uh, he saw a small blonde female covered in blood laying face down in the snow with her pants pulled around her ankles and her head completely bashed in. What a fucker. Which explains the pipe wrench. 
So that's a lot to handle. That's terrible. I can't imagine coming upon that. Especially it's not even the police time. that, okay, maybe they've had more exposure to situations like this. It's the game officer yeah. who probably, okay, yeah, I'm sure he's seen dead animals, but that's not the same as finding a young girl who is bludgeoned to death in her face too like and i think of that also like that's another thing about such a rural community you're not subjected to like that much murder and stuff either and there's some of course it's a big city but not like what they've discovered no. on that day and again not even the police if the police had spotted like seen that it's still messed up something to find but the game officer like yeah damn Lauren Leslie was 15 years old and she lived in the town of Vanderhoof, which is about two hours from Prince George. By all accounts, she was a super kind, caring, loving little girl, really. Innocent, she, yeah. Innocent. She was only 15. And she was always very concerned with people all being treated equally and she stuck up for the underdog. And another thing about her is she had a visual disability. So that's why she had the card from Children's Hospital. She could only had 50% of vision in one eye and her other eye was completely non-seeing. So she had... That's probably why she advocated for equality and everybody yeah. to be... And also that makes sense too because she was quite innocent. I mean, you see things throughout this story that she kind of, she's just a na naive young little girl. Yeah, and I mean, at, at 15, you have to think, like, especially growing up in a small community, her well, dad said she loved swimming and fishing and... Well, and when you have a child with any sort of thing that's a medical concern, you keep that child closer than you would keep another child that, let's say, didn't have a medical concern. If you have a child that's blind in one of her eyes and can only see 50%, I'm sure you're not allowing her out to go and you know do the same things like let's say i was doing at like 13 14 15 right she probably just is venturing she, into that yeah she was definitely innocent so when when lauren's dad called her mom to find out what the deal was like why was she why is her missing yeah why is her backpack in some rando's car yeah they didn't even tell him that actually they just they said they had his id question, right had her id yeah, yeah. So her mom said that around 8 p.m. that night, Lauren had said she was going to meet a friend for coffee. And then she was supposed to go stay at her dad's later. And she had a curfew of 1 o'clock. So it this, wasn't even curfew time no, yet. So they this had was around 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. But no one had heard from her. Her dad hadn't heard from her. So she was reported missing. Yeah, like no one thought she'd be out in the snow or out with this boy. Well, and who, again, in every episode, I always say, because who thinks that this is what's happening? And the same with this, it's that shock factor, because in such a small town especially, you do not think something like that is happening. Yeah, in Vanderhoof, you would never imagine. No. This was around 11 o'clock at night. The game warden messaged the police and told them what he had found and made his way back to the scene. At the same time, Lauren's dad was calling around, mm -hmm. he was calling the police, and he decided just to show up to the scene. He oh, like that's the worst. Yeah, it wasn't hard to find out, you know, like where there was police gathered. And he showed up and asked what was going on and someone told him, All I know is that we're dealing with a homicide. Oh. So he right away figured it out. See, it happen all the time where relatives show up or that person shows up. And I think as a relative or as a close friend or family member, you have that pit in your stomach where you know, oh, like, oh no, oh no, yeah. oh no. I mean, a lot of people say they just know. Yeah, you know. And that's like, oh, it gives me like such a heavy feeling just yeah, thinking about that so in my sad. stomach. Such a little cute little girl, like terrible. So around 1 a.m., they took Cody to the police station and charged him with homicide and questioned him. And he, of course, was still denying everything. The best is I read that he said, I didn't kill that girl. <laughs> it's like, well, then how did you know if it was just a deer that you left in the woods? You yeah, so dumbass. once they found her, it was pieced together that... Uh, she had been talking to him on the website Nexopia. Ooh, Nexopia, that brings yeah, back. Yeah, Danica had some years on Nexopia. Reminisce, star, star, TNA, star, star. Yeah. Back in full effect. So she had been talking to him for a couple of weeks. She had told him she was 15. 
He started out every conversation that they would have with sexual innuendos and her response was always to deflect it and just like, you know, she was probably excited that she was talking to an older boy and of course, she would yeah. just be like asking cute little normal questions mm -hmm. and... Well, and that predatory factor, again, we've discussed this, that predatory factor when you're a 15-year-old girl and a 20-year-old is paying attention to you, yeah. like, oh my god, you don't realize until, okay, hindsight, like 10 years later where you're like, that's fucking creepy. So even when they found the transmissions from that night, uh, he had asked her like, oh, come and meet me. And so she agreed to meet him at her school. Mm -hmm. And he asked her like, I'm gonna pick up some drinks for us. Like, what would you like? And she didn't probably know anything else to say, no. but mudslides. And mudslides again, because yeah, that's like the thing that's like kids chocolate, chocolate milk. milk. Yeah, it's so sad. And she said in that last message, it's not about anything sexual anyway, we're just hanging out, right? And oh. he didn't answer. Because he's a piece of shit. Yeah, so the last time that Lauren was seen was sitting on the swings at her school. Being as a black GMC Sierra pulled up and a man with shorts got out and... <laughs> okay, the shorts yeah. though? Like, I get it. Like, for real, you everyone knows a guy that wears shorts all year round. I work round. with several of those guys <laughs> and girls. So then once they got him to the police station and they questioned him basically all night long, he finally is when he said, I didn't kill that girl. Yeah. I just saw some tracks and I followed them and I went and saw her and she was already dead. And so I moved her body because I was scared. I just needed to get out of there because I didn't want anyone to think I did it. But you wouldn't think that if some if that did happen and you did stump people stumble across dead bodies all yeah. the time. And if that did happen when you're speeding out of the logging road, you probably would have mentioned that first instead of being like cool as a fucking cucumber, yeah. having your driver's license just dangling out the fucking window. Like, are you serious? So they had they had him like like I said, they're questioning him. He asked if he could please call his parents because he was getting really scared, and they were like, uh, nobody, you're 20, you're an adult. The only person you can call right now is a lawyer and he didn't know any lawyer and they'd read him his rights so they just kept questioning him and he kept trying to talk to them right and they kind of said to him you should call your lawyer like yeah before when they first got him there he just kept talking and talking and they basically read him his rights and started listening and his stories changed multiple multiple times finally he finally admitted that okay he had met lauren on nexopia they'd had sex in his truck and then she wanted to go four by fouring <laughs> so he took them down this road to go four by fouring and all of a sudden she just started out of nowhere hitting herself in the head with the pipe wrench mm. and saying i hate my fucking life and then she stabbed herself in the neck with the knife. Because mm, that's really believable. So it turned out that Cody had a serious girlfriend of like three months. Oh, that so That he met serious. at his job. Uh, her name was Amy Vole. And they worked at the Ford dealership together. And he started crying and saying like no i would never do that i have a girlfriend i can't believe i cheated on my girlfriend she can't ever find out so the police kind of he still wasn't admitting to what he had done so the police decided to bring amy in well they could obviously see that that was like a soft spot for him definitely because so. he was worried like he was sweating it big time that his girlfriend was going to find out that he had sex with someone oh but didn't murder them and bludgeon yeah. them to death and then leave them in a so that was by day two they brought in amy and by all accounts, she was a petite little five foot girl that he was six foot one and 200 and something pounds. So she looked very small next to him. So the first thing he blurted out as soon as his girlfriend walked in, well, she first of all went over and gave him like this big, long, lingering hug, like, ugh. Ew. And then he just said to her, I didn't kill anyone. I didn't kill anyone. And she was like, yeah, well, I don't think you did kill anyone. And in the three months I've known you yeah. in this big embrace. So the police said, the constable that was questioning him said, I think that Amy deserves to know the truth. I love when they do that. And Cody just looked and he was like, yeah, I agree. She does. And then he repeated the story that he had met up with Lauren 
had sex with her in his car and then she had gone he called it ape shit and basically beat herself to death and stabbed herself what he didn't anticipate was amy was super fucking pissed off because he cheated on her yeah so like even the murder part he didn't even get to that yet his girlfriend was mad like of course because she's you're a 20 year old girl and you're being called into the police station because you're for two days yeah, yeah. You, your boyfriend's been in there for two days because he murdered because he murdered someone let alone, he also slept with them so, against their will, obviously. But it was, there was a lot of stuff that they decided to call him on while Amy was there because she, they knew that she was his weakness, weak, weakness, his kryptonite. Yeah. So they said to him, uh, well, it doesn't really make sense that if you, if she just killed herself and walked towards there, first of all, and her pants, are pulled down like why are her pants pulled down yeah and he said oh her pants got pulled down when i was dragging her after he's like okay i did hit her a couple times with the pipe wrench i just wanted to make sure that she was out of her misery which is what he said about the deer which he was obviously projecting about that he really felt the same probably like oh she put her out of fucking misery well i mean he didn't even he started her whole misery i know but you know what i mean like so then so then he also was faced with the fact like if he had drug her to get her out of the way they said she would have had snow on the inside of her underwear and the inside of her pants and there was nothing and you have to think the pants on the other side would probably be so dirty and like yeah. folded over because he, if he's dragging her to to just help her to get out of the way because he just found her here on this logging road dead then exactly fuck, like uh, obviously that's the thing about look at the crime scene that kind of stuff yells at them because they've seen yeah. that before it's just when so, someone tries to lie well his lies were just stupid anyway i mean he's a 20 year old kid so his lies are stupid and i mean at this point his girlfriend's gonna leave she says I believe you that you didn't kill someone, but I really don't want to have anything to do with you anymore because you cheated on me. Yeah. And then she hugged him again and Ew. left. Again, How though, you- being 20 years old, I mean, I don't think if she really doesn't think he's done any of this stuff, but obviously she's mad at him. Like, he's yeah. in a hard I mean, that situation. Just, that, I- took, that took the forefront with her. Like, that's how selfish some people are too, right? Like, you the love of your me. life just cheated on me. Never mind that he killed a 15-year-old girl. And he's admitted to, like, just putting her out of her misery. Anyway, they had enough to charge him, obviously, because the evidence spoke volumes. And while he was sitting there, there was another sergeant, Sergeant Peter Tuffick, who immediately put two and two together and thought... This M.O. looks familiar. This M.O. looks exactly, exactly like the dead sex worker that we found in Elsie Gun Park in prince george like two months before that yeah so it was around eight weeks before they found cynthia ma's very badly decomposing body in the bushes at lc gun park uh which is about an hour from vanderhoof in prince george and they were just kind of looking around because that park is uh known for people using substances taking sex workers there Mm -hmm. and some police were just doing a random scour of that park and they smelled something really bad and they found the decomposing body of Cynthia Ma. And she had been reported missing a couple weeks before and by the time they found her, she had been there for a couple weeks and she had the same bashed in head and the same pants around her ankles and it was starting to look very familiar to them. If you're in law enforcement and in a small town and that happens and it's yeah. the exact same again mo then that would be pretty apparent cynthia ma was a 35 year old indigenous woman she had had struggles in her life with cocaine abuse and she was uh, using sex work to fund her addiction again trying to you know supplement that therapy for trauma and things you've been through yeah. in your life and things you've been systemically no the th- well systemically yeah but also the things that you've been subjected subjected to, to. there yeah. we go yeah like you're subjected to things that you need to numb that and all that and then leads you to down these roads and she was found in a park decomposing and it's like very badly decomposing yeah, yeah. and it's like nobody there was actually more victims as they went along and 
They all kept in touch with their kids, their families. So they were all reported missing. So Cody was arrested mm-hmm. for um, Lauren's murder. And in the two years leading up to him going to trial, they did extensive searches on his apartment. Yeah, because this is screaming like, okay, if yeah. this guy's done this two times and it's so, we like we say, you, you don't just do this once or twice. Once you do that, yeah. there's got to be more. So obviously they started like you said, testing all his clothes, using forensics, using different testing techniques. And yeah, they got him on what. So there was Cynthia who was found a few weeks after September. And there was another woman, Jill Dashenko, and she was 35 also. She was reported missing in October and found about, they figured about four days later at a gravel pit. And and good thing they collected DNA off of all these Yeah, people. so they had DNA on Jill, inside of Jill, and she was also, like, she had, I believe, six kids, and she always kept in touch with her family also. So she, she was reported missing and found quite quickly at a gravel pit. And on both Cynthia and Jill, even though Jill or Cynthia was quite decomposed, they could find uh, a lot of defensive wounds on mm-hmm. their arms and stuff that they had put up a really good fight to whoever. Good for them. Yeah. Because that's the thing. That's what helps solve your case after. I always, I mean, not to sound morbid or anything, but if I was ever attacked and I feared for my life, I would make sure I scratched the fuck out of that person because yeah. they go, you know, that's part of what they do for trace DNA or trace evidence. They go, they scrape under victims' nails because a lot of the time the killer is leaving behind DNA that they don't know that they're leaving behind, whether it be they accidentally nicked themselves when they're stabbing or if they, anything, get a nosebleed or you've heard about things like that where they test the evidence that found at the crime scene and that's usually what leads them back to the killer. Well, and Jill was actually found in 2009, so the year before. So that would have made Cody only 19 years old at the time. That was probably his first victim. Yeah, that's what they figured, that Jill was his first victim. And And then later, he was obviously ramping up because Cynthia, Cynthia was in September. And then there was another woman reported missing also in September. Her name was Natasha Montgomery, and she was 23 years old. Also, a woman of Indigenous heritage. She was from the nearby town of Quinnell, and she was a sex worker and had struggles with addiction also. So while they were going through Cody's apartment, which the crazy thing is, Cody lived with three women as roommates. These women were clearly never home or well they had previously lived in a house a big like house where cody had the basement suite and they had the upstairs and they were having parties all the time and mm. stuff so i could kind of see probably when jill went missing was probably at the house like he was yeah. still living at the house but i read too that he surprisingly like everyone that knew him was like yeah he was like fun he was oh totally sports. he was like a people's person yeah. he was like a man's man he he was popular and got along with everybody. And he had yeah. none of the McDonald triad. He hadn't he done probably anything. Secretly, he probably well, secretly did. Like fucking weirdos. And they know it's weird. So they, they hide it. He disguised obviously. it better, I guess. Well, he killed a grouse. So in there, in his apartment, they found uh, several, like so much evidence that it wasn't even funny. Like they had a couch that had so much blood that someone had bled to death on it. Oh, so that was um, and no one noticed that was sitting on the in the fucking living room. So there was a bloody handprint right by the front door. His bloody handprint was sitting on the wall by the front door. <gasps> there was blood all over his bedroom curtains, his bedspread, his carpet. There was blood on his like bathroom wall. Obviously, no, it was all just showing. There was blood stains on the couch. No, they so, had to like just use luminol. That had to be like no. I'll oh. tell you. So. This is how, this is how, like, he was so lazy about his cleanup and so stupid. Like, freaking came back to bite you. obviously, were the people that he was hanging out with because, so they got to charge him for four counts of first-degree murder. So by the time he went to trial, well, just before he went to trial, his lawyer, which he finally got a lawyer. Yeah. Um 
made a motion to move the trial to Vancouver because they said it would be too prejudiced to have it in Prince George. And the judge denied the motion. So the pro the trial started two years later in, it was four years after he killed Lauren that the trial started in Prince George. So he showed up looking totally different, like a man, basically. Yeah, because he probably had grown up and now yeah, he'd he been institutionalized. Shaved, shaved so. his head and had a long goatee. And yeah, he looked like... Finding yourself a jail in jail, guy. yeah. Yeah. So he looked like a jail guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. When you think of a jail guy, you think of that. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm yeah. picturing it in my head right now. Like a TV jail guy. Yeah, I get it. So yeah, I mean they had all this evidence and they called a bunch of witnesses, obviously. One of the witnesses they called was a friend of Natasha Montgomery's who said that she was also a sex worker and she had introduced Cody to Natasha. And they had gone and smoked crack and meth and all this kind of stuff with Cody. And she hadn't seen Natasha after she went missing. And she used to hang around with Cody all the time. Like, she slept with him. She would call him when her boyfriend beat her up. Like, he was like her buddy. So Cody's girlfriend was called to the stand, Amy. And she said, well, yeah, I saw the blood all over his apartment. Like, I saw the bloody handprint. He told me that he just cut his foot when he was drunk. And... He told me he didn't do any hard drugs and he told me that the uh, blood in his bedroom was from a nosebleed and like he had excuses for all the blood but like Clean that's a up. lot of blood that nobody noticed. Clean it up. There's actually evidence photos if you look and there's like there was pooling blood still underneath the couch. <gasps> like I can't believe like that must have smelled bad. Imagine you're those roommates. And this all comes out? Like, no, like, I get, like, when you're a partying pig and you're, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, if you really think about, like, your party years. Yeah, where you're just disgusting. Yeah. We're disgusting. Yeah. Like, I exactly. every day. Yeah, but I would, if I, okay, I've been to some party houses, okay, and they were disgusting, okay? Yeah. But if there was just fucking blood all over the place. I know, That right? would be, like a literal red flag. It's like a bloody red handprint on the wall. Yeah. Well, and it was right by the front door. It's literally like saying like, this person <laughs> got like, caught red-handed. Literally. Holy shit. Some people. So then they put Cody on the stand. He decided oh, he wanted to take the stand. Never a, never a good idea for them, but always a good idea for us. Well, he actually got up there thinking he was shit hot. And but that's what always happens. Yeah. yeah. So he got up there and said... Well, I'm not going to tell you too many details because it's pretty boring. <laughs> but when I lived in that first house, that party house, I made friends with some drug dealers. And I'm not going to rat them out because I don't want to go to jail seeming like the ratty type of person. Oh. But I'm just going to call them X, Y, and Z. Hmm. And the judge said, hold on a minute. Who and what are X, Y, and Z? So Cody went on this big, long tangent with each girl that was murdered saying that these drug dealers x y and z had brought these girls to his parties and the first one jill he decided that he'd have sex with her because she didn't look that bad nice so after he had gem. sex with her the guys x y and z said she has to die she owes too much money and then they bludgeoned her to death right in front of him and I forgot to mention, they also found a bloody axe, a pickaxe, and a bunch of other weapons with all these girls' blood on it in his closet at his house also. His story was basically the same for all three women that X, Y, and Z had brought them over to his house. And even when they'd ask him questions on cross-examination, he'd say, I don't know, man, I was really high. Like, I just handed him the knife. And so Natasha, the girl that was never found they never to this day have found natasha's remains which is so sad and his story with natasha was at x y and z um who the fuck would think that that is a I believable know, right? thing to say on the stand in front of a jury and the judge yeah so like he said that they dismembered natasha but he couldn't remember where her body was placed so clearly blah, blah, blah. he dismembered natasha yeah. and didn't want so, to tell them where his their body was which at that point i would just say what the fuck like just you're already being charged for this why don't you just admit why where don't you just is? give them yeah give the family peace yeah right after he testified his lawyers tried to make a plea bargain 
to bargain him down to plead guilty. He said he would plead guilty to all four murders if they were second degree murder. And the judge just said, ah, no, uh, ain't gonna happen. Like, look up in the dictionary what first degree murder says, yeah. and then second. So after only one day of deliberation, Cody was found guilty of four cases of first-degree murder and also put on the sex offender registry list because for some reason, that was the one thing he didn't want to happen because he didn't want to be treated as a sex offender by other people in the jail. So because the we judge, know. Yeah. So the judge made sure that he was put on the sex offender list and the judge said, your crimes are so heinous. They go next level, and I really don't think you should ever walk among us again. No, and I'm glad that the judge did because that's fucking creepy. When someone that when you're arrested for four counts of first degree murder, and everyone that knows you is like, "Wow, what a surprise! That guy was awesome. That guy was great. Yeah. Everybody loved him." Like those that's are dangerous. the creepy ones. Yeah. That's like some Ted Bundy vibes, right? Yeah. Where you're so the, the complete opposite, and it's a hidden, weird, like dark thing that you have you know that's creepy so i hope that guy is forever in jail and forever well he is forever in jail i mean at this point he was born in 1990 so wow yeah so he is still in jail he went to kent jail in agassiz when he was first convicted um now he's in jail somewhere in ontario and he's doing um four consecutive Life sentences, not Good. not eligible uh, until after he serves 100 years. So the saddest part, I think, is although the family of Lauren can take small consolation in the fact that him getting caught killing her prevented him from killing a lot of other women because he was just ramping up. He was 20 years old. Yeah, and it brought to light all the women that he had murdered exactly. that went under the radar, right? And so when he left after being convicted, when they let him out, there was a big um, group of Indigenous women with a drum, a drum circle, and they were saying a prayer, and it was so beautiful. But uh, Natasha Montgomery's family never, ever found out where her body was, so they've never gotten to bring her home. So sad. So that's the, that's the saddest part about that. There's not any closure for her family. Not that you get closure when someone is murdered, but... No, just but you to have be able that, to bring yeah. your person home well, and lay them to rest with dignity and to and connect. in the indigenous culture, that is so important, yeah. right? To have your loved one with you or where you know. just It also gives him, I feel like... That, a one-up. Yeah, yeah, because he's not... He's almost doing it on purpose to like he to is cause a more. Fucker. Yeah. He's a fucker. Like, that's all he is. There you go. Said it best by my mother. Yeah. He is a fucker. He is a fucker. Sorry for a lot of swearing in this episode. Yeah, we had a lot of swearing today, but I'm just going to blame it on the fucking pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that, I don't know, we're just all pent up and like ragey and just, yeah, Yeah. man. And and this this case just made me so mad because he's such a little MF-er. Yeah, I agree. Although that was a really sad case to bring you today and it was, you know, I don't want to give any notoriety to that guy because he was such a young groundbreaking killer, but it's just terrible. It's rare. It's It's rare rare, to see most serial killers are usually, I want to say, they say uh, 25 to 45 years old. They say that's that's what a, a psychologist, clinical psychologist, forensic psychologist came in and said, like, this is very rare. Yeah. Most serial killers don't have the organizational tactical ability well it doesn't sound like he did really either no well he didn't because he's not the cleaning part behind it but but yeah 20 year old man no but even the the fact that he because i'm sure and this is really creepy to think of in like to really think about it communities well not even any community that somebody's sitting and thinking it's like those two kids like the ones that from the island that killed those people it's almost like they pre there's a movie it's about uh it has ryan gosling in it when he's young Murder by numbers, I think. No, something like that. But it's about these two kids that want to kill. And imagine how many people there are. Yeah, there that are, are a lot thinking of about like, ooh, I want to murder, but they're just formulating their plan. And luckily, a large percentage of those people never follow through with it. It's creepy enough that they have that thought, yeah. but luckily they don't follow through with it. But then you see someone again who's so normal on the surface. Who you know what? Again, I probably would have thought he was a fucking weirdo because I have that pick up that energy of people. But... He looks like one of my cousins. I'm not going to mention which one. But... 
Yeah, just that like a normal guy. Most of your cousins listen to this podcast, so <laughs> they're going to probably put one or two together there, so. Anyway. Just kidding, Stefan. It's not you. <laughs> That's Stefan. <laughs> Jake? We're haywire today. Yeah. Pandemic. Fucking pandemic. Well, <laughs> thank you guys for joining us for another episode. Episode 14, like I said, it's my favorite number, so... Lucky number 14. That guy was a fucker. So it was actually really weird, too, because um, Danique and I drove up. My son was going to university in Prince George, and Danique and I listened to an episode about this Mm -hmm. while we were on our way up there. So it was like everything kind of was a little bit more real, you know, like you're looking at all this nature and this wildlife and this terrain of the... Just thinking of what yeah. went through that cop's head when that car just like, oh, you know, like sped out of nowhere. Yeah, this one gets my heart beating. Like, it's pretty freaky for well, sure. And it's great, again, like we said, that, that they caught him before he really got the opportunity to ramp up because it yeah. was getting... He's ramping up quickly. Yeah, so... Okay, well, um, Danique is going to bring us another episode in two more weeks, and I look forward to seeing which one she chooses. Feel free to... Send, send her an Instagram message. Yes. Or... DM us Murder with My Mother Podcast on Instagram, uh, www.murderwithmymotherpodcast.com, or just message me on Facebook. I'm Danica Dotis, Christy Lamb over here. I'm not saying my name. I don't oh, think I'm shit. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Unhear me. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope everyone uh, is making it through okay and you can always just send us a message of hey i'm not doing so well or hey i need someone to talk to or hey what are you guys up to or whatever on uh any of those platforms also because we're all feeling the burn right now for sure and we're all in this together the thing that keeps us separate is that you know everyone thinks they have to go through it alone but this is the one time in at least probably a hundred years that everyone in the globe is going through the same thing at the same time. So there's people right beside you that are going through things that you have no idea about. So that's the thing I love about right now, the vulnerability of everybody being transparent and just owning that everyone's going through some shit. And I think that that will help everybody feel a little more normal that it, it, this is normal right now to feel like, when is it going to be normal? Take a day off work. If you feel like it, call it sick. Take Take a mental health day. Not that I do or did yesterday, but just do it. (laughs) But until next episode, we hope you guys are staying vigilant, staying safe, washing your hands, wearing your mask. Not touching your face. Not traveling, not going anywhere. And yeah, we will talk to you guys in two more weeks. See you later, y'all. Come back next time to listen to me talk murder with my mother. Bye, guys. Bye.